1: always ask me what are my favorite interviews of all time. This to date is still one of my absolute favorite interviews that we've ever done. This is from May 6, 2020. Oh my god, almost three years ago, which just we're the past three years gone. This is with Karen Gravano, Sammy the Bull's daughter. I mean mob wives. I'm sorry. Before all of the, I mean, Mob Wives is just to me really one of the best reality shows that's ever existed. I still am like, how did this show get green lit? How did it get made? I mean, forget New Jersey Housewives. We had people on the screen talking about like real things the mob, death, guns, real jail. I mean, now look where reality TV has come. But I mean, I don't know. I loved this chat with Karen. No question was off limits. I wanted to hear all about the current mob, where are we, rats, loyalty, I mean, we talked about the gaudy tapes, I don't know. And of course, Mob Wives, hello, it's a great show. So for all of those of you who have not heard this, because it's another gem lost on our back feed, truly, truly, truly one of my absolute favorite interviews I have ever done. And people that listen to this are also like, oh my God, those of you that have heard it, They're like, this was great. It really was. And I do not, do not say that about all of my interviews. So sit back, relax. How many of you watch Mob Wives? We have the one, the only, Miss Karen Gravano. Hey guys, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. How is everybody doing today? I hope they're doing well because we are going to welcome our very special guest, calling from almost 3,000 miles away, the one and only Miss Karen Gravano. How are you?
0: I'm great, how are you?
1: How is Arizona?
0: Beautiful. Honestly, I have to say I'm blessed to be out here. I'm spending time with family. Um, We are on, you know, like um, stay at home, like you guys are, but it's really easy to social distance in Arizona. Everything's laid out, like there's pools. and like I said, this is just like such a horrible time. But for me, I'm taking the making the best out of it, spending time with family and, you know, just really enjoying my relaxation.
1: Were you out there before quarantine or you left Staten Island to go out there? As soon as no, I
0: actually was out here. I had to fix some things on my house out here and then everything had hit. So I was just like, let me stay out here. To be honest, I probably like everyone else thought this was just going to be like, oh, it's going to pass really soon. And now, you know, two months later, I'm still out here, so.
1: You're, you don't miss Staten Island at all?
0: Um, Not at this time, no. You know, the weather out here is beautiful. It's extremely hot for this time of year, which is really weird because we're already like 106. So again, all wow. the pools are open. I'm just, you know, chilling, really.
1: And you're out there. So who's out there? Your brother and his family, right? Yes,
0: my brother, my mother. And then my father is, Um, he's just a little ways out, but.
1: And Karina's not there?
0: Karina, who I just, you know, this was like a tug of war in the beginning. I wanted her to come to Arizona. And of course she was like, Mom, I'm working. Again, I didn't force the issue because I really believed like, okay, this will be a couple weeks, it'll pass. And um, I didn't really, at the time, understand the extent and and really the whole, like, what this really is and what it turned into. So um, I was like, okay, fine, just stay. And then it just kept getting, and then it was like, do I get on a plane? You know, you start, but now I'm like, just come on a plane and, you know, come out here. But again, it's like, she's quarantined, she's doing good, and it's like, why disrupt something if it's working, so.
1: Seriously, like, I don't think, I mean, I certainly didn't expect it to be this long. I mean, before this started, like maybe two weeks before, like my parents are way over whatever, sensitive to everything, like my father was like, because I fly a lot for work, for this. Yeah. My father's like, you, are you, have you canceled all your flights? This was like, you know, two or three weeks before. And I'm like, calm down. There's no flights being canceled. Like, I'm not changing my life. So same thing. Like, I didn't think it was going to be this.
0: Right. You know? you know, now looking back, the same thing. Um, probably it was around March 10th, we went to Miami and I was like, we just needed a vacation. We kind of wanted to like, the premiere of the show is like a month away. So I mean, Adam and Ariana, who are the other producers on the show, we like just, and my mom's like, I can't believe you're getting on a plane. And I'm like, don't worry. Like, I just really was nonchalant about it in the beginning. And, you know, the good thing is, thank God, you know, this is just, I'm here, I'm healthy. And reality is like, you just have to stay at home, social distance and do your best to protect yourself at this point.
1: Seriously. And we're going to get into the show. I need to talk. I know when we talked on the phone the other day, I told you I didn't watch the show yet because I have been, I like to watch shows like in bulk. So, I mean, it was, it was always on my list to watch, but Oh my God, it's amazing. We have to talk about all that. I literally, I loved it. So we're going to get into all of that, but I figured, why don't we just start at the beginning? And I do do this with everyone. I like to start at the beginning and get to know about them a little bit. So, Tell us a little bit about. So you're like born and raised in Staten Island. Like you're actually born in Staten Island.
0: I was born in Brooklyn, New York, and I moved to Staten Island when I was about eight years old. Um, at the time when we moved, it was like like we moved to the other side of the world. Like <laughs> just that Barrazzano Bridge was such a big change from people in Brooklyn. My mother and father were both, you know, born and raised in Brooklyn, and you know, my father lived a certain kind of lifestyle back then, and I think he thought like getting over the bridge and moving his family out to Staten Island was like, you know, taking us away from that lifestyle. So I grew up on Staten Island. I was there most of my life, but I was definitely born in Brooklyn.
1: Is that lifestyle like more prevalent in Brooklyn than Staten Island?
0: Well, no, I mean, not now, but yes, at the time, yes. Staten Island, when I first moved there, honestly had farm like my block was a developed block. There were houses right next to each other. Like, you know, like you see now if you go to Staten Island, but at the end was a farm. So there was a, still like farm and stuff there. Staten Island was still developing at the time. A lot of, you know, people in that lifestyle as as well as other lifestyles, you know, just decided to kind of like move their families over. And at the time, like coming from Brooklyn to Staten Island and I know now it doesn't seem like much, but there was a little bit of land and property. And it was like, you know, I went from living in a house in Brooklyn which we didn't have like a pool in our backyard or anything like that. So when we got to Staten Island, we had a pool and a little screened in patio. So it was like, you know, it was like, I felt like the Jeffersons were moving on up.
1: (laughs) There was more land. Yeah, definitely. Staten Island, the main thing I go to in Staten Island is the St. George Theater, which I know is like right on the border.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's kind of the area I'm familiar with.
0: You know, now it's so overpopulated and everything's so on top of each other that I probably would prefer to live in Brooklyn because you have more access. And listen, that bridge is a nightmare. If you don't have an easy pass and you're not a resident, it's what, like $19? I don't even know what it is for a resident. I think like $7. Wow.
1: And if you don't drive, like I don't drive, like most New Yorkers, like I think is that a ferry, really, that's the only way to get there, right?
0: Yes. Outside of a car or bus. You can take a bus.
1: Oh, yeah. You can take a bus. But, you know. Yeah, Staten Island, I don't really... But I, I don't really know Brooklyn that well either. so.
0: It's funny. I always tell this story because um, like a really good friends of mine now live in the Bronx and stuff. And when we were younger, I first got my license. So, you know, of course you want to venture out. So it's like, let's just get in a car and drive as far as we can drive. And here I am driving, driving, driving. I wound up in the Bronx, right? And we're asking people, we're lost. So now here I am asking people like, how do I get back to Staten Island? And they're looking at us like, where? Staten Island. And I'm like, isn't it one of the five boroughs? Like, I don't know. I'm, this is like foreign. It was so crazy. I, at the time, when did you get your license? I was like 16 or 17. So it was so crazy. We were, yeah. And like so many people that I know that I'm friends with till this day are like, we've never been to Staten Island that live in the Bronx or, you know, deep in Queens. Some people don't ever go out there.
1: People don't realize like if you're not from this area, like you're so kind of set in your little area, yeah. so to speak. Mm-hmm. So now I have many questions for you. Sometimes I interview people and I'm like, how am I going to get through this? I really don't have, I have so many questions for you. So now I know we talked the other day and you said, like, I said, because like we're friends, like, you know, out of respect and you said nothing is off limits. So you tell me if we get to something that is off limits. Oh,
0: okay. Nothing's off limits with me, but you know that, you know, if I don't like something, it's, (laughs) we'll we'll have a debate or go back and forth. But as long as you're open for that, I'm open for any questions.
1: Yes, I am open for it. So I don't want you to think I need any disrespect by any of these questions. Because you know I love you dearly. Karen's like, oh, that's not a great way to start, David. (laughs) Um, Like, I don't want to be like the reporter that we just saw on Families of the Mafia in season and episode four. So that's not this. And we'll talk about that. So you're growing up in Staten Island. Your father has a certain lifestyle. Like, when did you realize, like, your life childhood like your life and family like may not be like everyone else's
0: well I probably realized some things as early as 10 years old like there was a murder outside one of my father's nightclubs and I was um very intuitive to say the least as a kid I had you know I always looked up to my father so I was always intrigued with the way he was um and I remember reading in the newspaper about this murder and I remember hearing my father speak about the guy he was a guy that was going to buy his nightclub. And it's weird because like for a second think about it and then all of a sudden you just don't. And one thing about growing up in that certain kind of lifestyle was the men tried their best to protect the families. And even though I was so different from maybe kids I went to school with, I wasn't different from other kids my age that I grew up with because their fathers were involved in that lifestyle. So you, you kind of think about it for a minute and then it's like, no, you know, or you just I don't know if that even makes sense. Like, it's just something that you really don't dig deep into. And and um, probably when I really realized, like, whoa, is when Paul Castellano died. I think it was in 1985, and I was, like, 16 years old at the time. And um, that's when I started saying, like, wow, like, this is bigger than something that I could ever understand. That's when all the newspaper articles started coming out. And, like, at that time in the in the, you know, 80s and 90s, like – the mob was like a big thing. Like you'd see it in on the news or in the newspaper. And it's like, I felt like I was kind of attached to something that was bigger than something I could ever understand. But yet it was like, when I got around all these men or my father, it was just like family time. So it's kind of like a warped reality. And I guess it's like, I think the biggest thing for me is when you're growing up, like I never questioned my father cause he was my provider, my protector, my friend. So I never looked at anything bad when it came to him. Were there signs? Yes. Did I pay attention to the signs? I mean, I I thought about it, but I don't think I went like, you know, FBI trying to dig it up to find out what was wrong
1: or right. And that was so two things that one of my questions. So like, that was one of my questions, like your friends. It wasn't like you were so different, like their families were in this lifestyle too.
0: Right. Yes. Not all my friends you know, but there was definitely like my core, like Ramona, you know, me and Ramona, we were not blood cousins, but we call each other cousins because in that mob world, um, like her grandfather was very close with my father, her father. Um, we grew up like Christmas parties, holidays, first communions, like thicker than thieves. We were together all the time. So it's like, we just, you know what I mean? Like she didn't look at my father like he was different. And I didn't look at her family that like they were different because our
1: families were the same. Right. And then did you guys talk about it? Like, hey, Ramona, I think something's different about us than a lot of other people.
0: Never. And you know, it's so crazy. Um, Ramona has like, her grandfather has a big story, which um the Donnie Brasco movie. And um there was books out before. Actually, at the time of growing up, it was like, Yes, my father's stuff was happening while we were like growing and it was in the news and like her family, like her grandfather's stuff, there was books about it, but it was more hidden. So it was like with her grandfather, we did kind of try to like find out some stuff, but it wasn't really like a topic of conversation or something, you know, there was one time that maybe she had asked her mother and a big thing, like the women in that lifestyle, it's like, they know how to just shut it down in a way it's weird I don't know it was like I can't explain it because I feel like right now if I was to do something and live a certain kind of lifestyle like my daughter is going to be like what are you doing what's this it's just a whole different time period in 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 life
1: right and so like the women knew what was going on but they would shut it down for like the kids or like anyone else Mm -hmm. and then like to your point about this Donnie Brasco movie like I mean was Ramona aware like oh my god this is based on my grandfather
0: Yes, and that's when everything that's when we really started to talk about it because, you know, Ramona's very close with her grandfather. So here it is like now this movie and she gets wind of it and it's like Ramona's very um it it's almost like she's funny because she's very like, Well, if this guy's gonna play my grandfather, he better dress right. He better he play he better play the part right, you know. So I wasn't with her at the time, but this is just a funny story. She had gone to um the trailer when they were filming the movie.
1: Oh my God. So let me just say first off that in my defense, I am not a hypochondriac, but the other day I found this like mole and I was freaking out and then I was really freaking out and I didn't know what to do. But then I went on the ZocDoc website and I went down the rabbit hole and ZocDoc had really, it has had thousands of medical professionals that were pretty much there to help me and listen to all of my woes and basically calm me down, which is in that moment, what I needed more than anything. (sighs) You know, ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are Patient reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them to treat almost every condition under the sun. So, when you're not feeling your best, or in my moment of a complete freak out and trying to hold it together, finding great care shouldn't take up all your energy. And it didn't. I got great advice, and I actually made an appointment with a doctor that took my insurance and was right down the street from my house because I ain't traveling. So, listen, go to zocdoccom velvetrope and download the zocdoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours, like my was that's zocdoc z-o-c-d-o-c dot com slash velvet robe zocdoc.com slash velvet rope. i'm totally advancing in this game i'm playing online and like who knew i'd be good at this it's called love and pies by trail mix games and it's free now i'm such an online gamer and i love love and pies because it honestly it's like one of the only things other than when i can fall asleep that takes my mind off all these thoughts going on in my head And I love it also because there's drama. You play as this woman named Amelia, and she moves home, and there's family drama. You take over the old family cafe. You restore it to its former glory. But of course, there's mystery and intrigue. Her family has more secrets than an episode of Real Housewives, really. All that said, I didn't think I'd be good, but now I'm obsessed. And I play this game anytime I have a free moment on my hands. And I love to play it as I go to bed because, like I said, I have trouble sleeping, and it helps me fall asleep. You guys check it out and let me know if you're good at this for a tasty mix of love and drama, download love and pies for free today. That's love and pies free to download in the app store or Google play the greatest game by trail mix.
0: And she was outside and Al Pacino was in the trailer, you know, getting ready. And she's like, Mr. Pacino, she's yelling. So everybody's trying to like swish her off the set. And she's like, no, 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 no. He's playing my grandfather. I need to talk to him. And sure enough, he let her in and they sat down and they talked and, uh, She was just like, you know, I guess she gave him some insight. You know, the family, like, there was a lot of um, misconceptions in that movie. So it's hard as a family member to watch something, especially when you lived it and you know the truth. Hollywood takes, you know, their little jab at it and it twists and turns. So, um, you know, but but it was definitely an experience for her to, she had to just set the record straight.
1: Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. And Mm -hmm. then for you, like you mentioned, like Paul Castellano, like when you started reading all this stuff, so, like, what were your thoughts then? Like, did, like, a light bulb go off? Like, oh, my God? Or, like, that was... Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because I, I lived... Um, like, I can never tell the stories. I probably could tell you now because I've heard my father tell them a gazillion times, like, his version of it. But I could tell what I felt and, like, the way things happened from my perspective of being inside the house. So, like... I had known Paul Castellano, you know, growing up, um, I went to his house a couple of times. I knew my father was involved in businesses with him. And, um, then all of a sudden when he died, it was like, and then I see like John Gotti on the head and I could just tell the way that's when I started to become observant of things like the way the chain of commands had changed. Like I could see my father's power has risen, you know what I mean? And the way people were interacting with him also like after the Castellano hit, um, which I didn't know, you know, me and him could sit down and tell stories. He tells his version of it. And then my version is like, he just wasn't home. You know what I mean? And then like my uncle was stopping in. We had security around the house. So you're going to be like, okay, something happened here, you know? But then again, it was like, also, I think when I really did kind of sink in and realize that this is happening, it was happening so fast. It was like, I was watching a movie with players and actors that were like my family involved into it. So it was like, I was from the outside watching and it was like, but it was happening so fast that it's not something that I just sat down and was like, I need to know what's going on. I was 16 years old at the time.
1: Interesting. Cause like I related, I mean, this is such a gross oversimplification, but it's kind of like, look, if you're born into like your are Madonna's daughter, like Lourdes, like right. you don't know any different. And at some right. point you're probably like, wait, my life is different. Okay. Your life is very charmed in a lot of ways. But it's like, that is your reality. So it's like, it's so interesting to me just for like a sociological, like that was your life. So it really is normal to you. And I hate that word. Mm -hmm. But so like that must have been, like, did you have like at 16 that like, wherewithal to say like, this is my norm and this is my family, but I could see why other people wouldn't find this, the average, or it wasn't, You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like, when did you become aware of like how an outsider would view it? Which to Um, you, there's nothing wrong
0: with it in your life. I think after, um, probably when I was about 19, after my father cooperated, I started like, it became the very dark side of that life. So even though things were happening, like you have to understand, we'd go eat in a restaurant and they're old women. It could be, you know, children and just people like, hey, Sammy, how you doing? It was so much respect and love that i i'm like you know like you don't look at a person as oh my god he's a bad guy when they're getting love in so many different avenues and like i think that's the kind of really intriguing thing in my opinion about the mafia is these men live by codes and they have a certain kind of um respect and they and it's like they're very protective of their own and their and their community so it's like when you see that like i always say this when we were growing up if you could relate Hollywood to the mob, like, it's like my father was Brad Pitt. You know what I mean? Like we'd walk in places or whatever. He probably loved that I said Brad Pitt because he's good
1: looking. But Seriously. at the end of
0: the day, it's it's really, um, you know, and, and this is why my show is kind of so important to me. And this is the aspect that I really wanted to put out because it's not this horrible life that you're living. It's the aftermath. And it's how do you pick up the pieces? Like for me, I can never not love my father or be mad at him which there was a period i was but it's like he's still my father he's still my friend and he's still my protector and i'll always love him to the you know i had a very good childhood even though all that existed in my world
1: right and then to the people like that you were friends with when you were young that were not in this certain lifestyle like did they know like was their talk amongst them yeah. or you just weren't yeah. aware of that. Yeah. And then, yeah.
0: I mean, there are little things like, you know, I, again, I um, I think more like my brother, like we moved to this real bougie area in Staten Island and, you know, a couple of the parents didn't want their kids to play with Gerard. So there was that aspect because of like, but they never said it. It was never a spoken thing. Like my mother kind of knew and like she always shielded him. She brought us back to the old neighborhood where we fit in. Um, there was a time where I wanted to join the country club because all my friends like and i'm talking their fathers are doctors and lawyers and politicians and you know so here i am wanting to join the country club and uh i talked my father into it and i remember we went up there and they wanted to do a background check and we, we he was like wait, we're we getting the fuck out of here like we're not doing this and i was so upset but i didn't so i we just didn't fit in you know what i mean we weren't the people that were going to join the country club so right. it was back to the old neighborhood where you fit in and you feel
1: comfortable That makes sense. And then did you ever feel like amongst your friends, like there was the fear? And like, even like with your father, like you're saying like you walked in and like there was this respect. Was there also like a fear element of like, we don't want our children playing with Karen or like when your father walked in, like we respect him and here's a whole other group of people that are like in fear or there was never that.
0: Yeah, I never really felt that until after the fact. I mean, once everything came out and it was just like, you know, I even think prior to like my father and John, there were things in in the media, but like if you really go back to that era, it's the Teflon Don and everybody's praising and the barbecue. So it never really had like, or the articles that I remember were never just so like murder and you know, all this gory stuff until later after when, you know, everything started really crumbling.
1: Right. And then like in your definition, because I think a lot of people don't like what do you, like, what is meant by the term mafia or a mob? Just because, like, I think a lot of people don't really, like, I think that brings up a lot of stereotypes. (laughs) Yes, yes. And
0: I think every time someone looks at the word mafia is, like, they think of the Italian-American community because that word kind of originated there. But to my knowledge, like, the mafia in Italy, which other ethnicities have what they call a mafia, but in Italy, it's, like, a community of people that protected their own you know, it was a secret society, like, and, and I just remember hearing stories from back, like, if, you know, a woman in her neighborhood was got forbid raped or beat up, like, the mafia is going to come in, they don't go to the police, like, they'll handle it. So it was um, a respect thing. And they basically, that's how it was in Brooklyn. Like, if you go to, went to Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, in, you know, the 70s, 80s, or, you know, the 90s, you're not going to go mess with someone, because if their family's in the mafia, you're going to have a problem. And um, that's, to me, is like, mafia is like, honestly, like a, a coming together of people, whether it's a family or, you know, a group of friends to protect one another. This is the whole criminal aspect of it. I mean, if people really want to break it down and, and dissect it. But for me, it's like the mafia, it's 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 um a brotherhood, a society, whether it's a secret organization. Now, you know, I put it on TV, so it's not so secret anymore. But it's like, you know it's it's um it's an organization that pretty much in my opinion protects one another
1: and is the goal like protection and like brotherhood and sisterhood, or is it also like to make money or is it yes bold?
0: to make money? I think you know when they came here, it, you know they came together, there's obviously the whole other side of it, the whole criminal enterprise of it, which is you know basically. I don't think you know the mob forms for these people to say, let me go out and commit crime and hurt people. This was like, let's protect our communities. Let's pull together. Let's become a mafia. Let's make money. Let's take care of our families. That's more how I see it as opposed to you know, join the mob and start doing crime.
1: Right. And like, what do you think is the biggest stereotype You know, because especially people that are not from like New York or this, you know, people, you know, there's that stereotype like Staten Island, New Jersey, it's all Italian mafia, you know, like not everyone thinks that, but you know, there's that stereotype. No,
0: everyone does think that because even when I was out here in Arizona trying to be under the radar living a normal life, it's like, oh, you're Italian from New York, do you know anyone in the mob? So I think a lot of Italian Americans who chose to live their lives that, you know, were very crime free or on the straight and narrow maybe get offended by it sometimes because they are, maybe could be, you know, you're from New York, you grew up in Brooklyn. Do you know the mafia? You know, and some people are offended by that. The reality to me is I think the biggest stereotype is, um, I think it's how it's glorified, you know, like when people watch movies and and it's just um, such cars and jewelry and this lifestyle, but there's really, a dark side to it. And it's a lot of struggle. And I think a lot of these men have, like I said earlier, made the decision to get involved into that lifestyle because they wanted to protect or take care of their family. But once you become part of that, it comes with power and money, you know, and you almost become famous within your little community. So you lose sight of that. Um, I think I would sit here and say, you know, it's very family oriented. I grew up around other people in that lifestyle. And there were Christmas, there was holidays. And I don't think we see a lot of that aspect told to where um like, even if you watch the Godfather movie, they kind of touch on it because it opens up in an Italian wedding. And I could probably say I went to 5,000 family weddings like that. You know, it's like the grand And, and it's just, you know, it's just a family within a family.
1: Interesting. And then like, when people are born into this, like, is there this like, intergenerational like i want my son to follow in my footsteps or is it like the opposite like we want a shield like if you're a boy like your brother or like just a boy. most men
0: the old timers the real people that you know started all of this they want to push their kids so much away from the lifestyle. Um, you know, you, you you always hear like, that's what they're doing it for. You don't, you want your kids to be better. That was the old school rule. Then, you know, once (laughs) things, and I don't, you know, even if you watch like the John Gotti era where, you know, he wanted to bring his son into that life, he wanted to carry it on. I mean, I don't think any good ever came out of that because all the heartache and sorrow that he lived, his son had to go through the same thing. So, you know, as in my father's, he wanted us to be as far away from the life as possible. But it's a catch-22 because when you're so deep and entrenched in it, it's like it's all around you. It's hard to, you know, like I highly doubt that he ever wanted me to be with a guy that was like him. Although if I had a husband, he'd probably work in the construction industry and be around it. So it's like that thin, thin line of how do you, you know what I mean, keep things separated.
1: Did you guys love my interview with Aisha Scott from Below Deck two weeks ago? You know, we totally bonded and she invited me on a future charter. And it's something I could never consider before I had relief Band. Planes are bad, trains are bad, but cars and boats, oh my God, I literally avoided the sea at all costs. But now maybe I'll take Aisha up on her offer because I have relief banned. I mean, and I can tell you, it's truly changed my life. It actually works. Relief ban helps quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, which I have, anxiety, which I have, migraines, which I have, hangovers, hello, I have, morning sickness, which I don't have, but I have to tell you whether you need everyday nausea relief or just an occasional cure, their patented technology makes feeling sick a thing of the past. It's literally a band you wear on your wrist to give you relief from nausea. Imagine that. Perhaps you'll see me on an episode of Below Deck very soon. So listen, if you want the band that actually works at relieving your nausea, check out Relief Band. Right now, we've got an exclusive offer just for Behind the Velvet Rope listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code VELVET, you get 20% off plus free shipping. So head to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use our promo code VELVET for 20% off plus free shipping. You guys know that I love anything that could be delivered to my front door because I have no time to go out and track stuff down. And that's why I love Drizzly. Drizzly is a one-stop shop for all of your alcohol needs. I mean, what could be better, right? In fact, they're the largest online marketplace for alcohol in North America. You can buy beer, wine, liquor, Yes, for all you Kathy Hilton fans out there, they have Casa Del Sol. And for all you Kendall Jenner fans, they have 818 Tequila also. They partner with thousands of retailers in more than 1,400 cities across the U.S. and Canada. They have competitive pricing and an unrivaled selection. Really, you can find almost any liquor on this website, and it's just one click. I don't have to look around at all different places. So after recording this damn podcast all day, oh relax with a nice vodka on the rocks. Nothing makes me happier. And I know none of you are listening to this podcast completely sober. So go to www.drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and start purchasing all your alcohol needs today. Yeah. And then what if you are like a son? and your parents or your father kind of wants you, it's this old, like one of these, like they want you to follow in their footsteps and you just don't want it. Like, does that happen a lot where there's actually, or that's not, it's more like, just let's shield our children. And like, we want better, so to speak with air No,
0: it's hard for me to speak on. I mean, there's so many different situations that I've seen both ends of it. So it's really hard for me. I just know what what my father would have wanted. And again, like, unfortunately my brother and I made, very bad choices in our lives and kind of almost followed down in that same path so the only thing i think that anybody could really do is you try to teach your kids right from wrong whether you know they make the same career decisions as you or not like for me i I want karina to be so different than anything i've ever done you know um i want her to have a totally different path and i feel like some people are like well you know you're harping on this or you're you're Telling her too much, and at the end of the day, I'm going to tell her everything, and I'm going to be the person, even though if she's 100% on the right path, I'm always going to remind her this is the wrong path, just in case you ever kind of because life can change so quickly. Like you could be going 100 miles an hour in the right direction, and then all of a sudden you make a decision, and boom, you know, I've seen people. It could be anything, you know. Getting in a car and you you're, you're you have a whole career and everything ahead of you, and then all of a sudden you're dr- drunk driving or something, and your whole life changes like in a in an instant. So, which As we'll parent, talk about.
1: Yeah, no, I mean that's a common theme that we see on the show too. We're really right. like families of the mafia, where everyone kind of does want.
0: their children on
1: the straight and narrow yeah Yeah. so we're gonna get into that and then so how was dating growing up like what were guys like (laughs) fearful of like your father or your family like how was that a
0: little bit you know a little bit um I did like I had a boyfriend when I was 17 he was a good kid came from a nice family he that was like my first well actually I was 16 I was about to be 17 but that was like my first boyfriend boyfriend Um, and I was with him for years. And then I was with my other boyfriend for years. I had boyfriends, but it was like, I probably, there were guys that probably, you know, um, even guys that were close to my age, maybe like a couple years older that were kind of involved in that lifestyle with my father that maybe I thought was cute or attractive and they wouldn't even look at me. Like I, there are one thing I remember my father used to have, um, a feast on 18th Avenue in Brooklyn is the 18th Avenue Feast every year. And I remember I was probably like 12 at the time. It was me, Ramona, my other cousin. And, you know, at that age, you start recognizing boys or you want to talk. And we had gone and there were boys a couple years older, maybe like 16, 17, and we we're there talking. And as soon as I was like, well, my father has a bar down the block, they were all like, "Ping!" everybody laughed. <laughs> and really? I didn't get it. I'm like, you know, and there was another boy when I was older, I was, I think at the time you could be 18 to get in bars. So I was probably like 19 and um, he was a couple of years older than me. And I was talking to him too, like, and he wouldn't touch me with a 10 foot pole because you know who my father was, but he also was someone that wanted to get into that lifestyle. And in that world, it's like a golden rule that you're not supposed to date another made men's daughter, wife, ex-wife. It, it's like, you know, you have to have a certain line of respect. So my father at the time was the underboss and I doubt people You know what I mean? Like wanted to be in a relationship and step out of line or, you know, and again, my father is very, how do you say this in a way of being, I'll just say it bluntly, like he could be very dangerous in that world, but he's also very rational. You know, if I'm a 17 year old girl fighting with my boyfriend at the time, unless he did something so horrible, he'd probably sit down and try to give us both lessons to grow you know? Right.
1: Like he's not going to go out and do something. Right. He's not going
0: to whack someone because he didn't call me back or broke my heart or something. Yeah. It had to be a little bit more. I mean, if the guy winds up giving me a beating or hurting me to a degree, yeah, then I probably think there would be consequences, but I think that can go for any father or, you know, some, a a lot of fathers or mothers that don't even have to be involved in that. If you hurt your kid, it's like, you know, the mama bear comes out.
1: Totally. But I could see like if a guy, you know, wasn't serious and just wanted some action at, you know, 17 years old. Yeah. You may not have been the one that they would go after if they were to choose three different girls standing in a line.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They were, yeah, it was definitely a thought in their heads, even if they wanted to.
1: They're probably so. like, this is not the one that we want to Yeah, this to could be over. a poor
0: decision if it goes wrong.
1: This yeah. might end up all bad. That's kind of what I would think. Yeah. And so, like, do you remember, like, your mother throughout this, like, you know, when all this was going on and, like, your father was coming in out of the house and doing all this business, like, do you have, like, a memory of your mother? I don't know. I, like, remember hardly anything from childhood. I don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah,
0: you yet. know, my memory of my mother was, like, and, and here is, like, my father. We had, even when we had on Staten Island, we had, um, there was a stable there, so we had horses. Like, I remember all that stuff might have been going on, but here me and my mother are at the horse stable, and we're just regular. Honestly, we had a very regular life. My mother made it that way. And That's even good. if there were issues that, that she seen at the time, it was never something that she would make us as the kids aware of.
1: That's good. Mm-hmm. And then, so just in the general overview sense of like the mafia and the mob, like, I guess, you know, we hear this word on both the shows, mob wives and like just loyalty. That's like the thing we keep hearing. Yeah. yeah. Like, That's, which is not a bad thing. Like, that's kind of just like any family. Like, that's kind of the overall principle.
0: I think so. And I think that it's rules and and people live by that. There's a fine line of, you know, I I think that people always say the word loyalty, but they really don't understand what it truly means. Um, You know, you can... A person can say, oh, you know, she, she's friends with someone else and she's not loyal. It's like you have to go off another person's energy and how they treat you. And there's, there's a certain standard that you hold or I hold, I can speak for myself, my friendship or my values too. And if people don't meet them, it just means like we just don't see eye to eye. That doesn't mean, oh, you're not loyal because you can't be loyal to someone that you don't value or you don't have respect for.
1: I'm kind of the same way. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like you know, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, I'm like very into yeah. like, right. Like, if you're not loyal to me, you're against me. It's kind of like I don't know. Like, I, that's kind of like a black mm-hmm. and white area. A lot
0: of people are like, oh, you're 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 not loyal because you're not doing X, Y, and Z. But why why would I do X, Y, and Z for someone that did shit for me? So you know what I mean? What it, you can't just put out a word and say loyalty. This is what you have to do. Why do I have to do that? You know, loyalty goes both ways. And I think a lot of what you see, you know, even on, even on Mob Wives or in this show, it's like, there's codes that you live by that you set. There's a loyalty. There's, there's a, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't do something like, you know, um, but you have to respect someone enough to say this is what it is. Some people don't always have the same view or value. And I think where loyalty comes in is you give someone that respect to sit down and communicate and understand, like, this is, I'm going to do this because of this, but I, I'm giving you, you know, I'm loyal to you and I want you to understand it. We're going to sit down and discuss it. Right. You can't just say, oh, You can't do that. Cause my version of loyalty is that's not it. You know what I mean? Everybody has their own version, I guess, in a sense.
1: Right. And like, even today, like loyalty is like of the utmost importance to you. Yeah.
0: I mean, for me, and my loyalty is for my family. Like if someone's going to sit here and speak and say, oh, your father wasn't loyal to John Gotti. No, my father was loyal to Cosa through thick and thin. And I understand that because I lived it. But even if my father wasn't, for whatever reasons, what would make me, I'm supposed to say, oh, you're not loyal. So now I don't talk to you. No, my loyalty is with him. So whatever his decisions are, And I say this even about my daughter. My daughter could be wrong, right, or indifferent. I'm riding with her forever because my loyalty is with her. You know what I mean? It's not just because if she does something that I don't believe is right and I'm saying, oh, that's you can't do that, that's wrong. You know what I mean? I'm loyal to her and I'm here to say my opinion, and that's between us. We may not agree on something, but at the end of the day, I'm still gonna ride with you because that's where my loyalty lies.
1: Totally. I mean, like when I was young, my parents used to tell me, like, you know, if you go out and commit a murder we're going to be loyal to you. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, want, I mean, it was different. I'm like a nice right. Jewish boy from Connecticut, but that right. was the, I mean, I was brought up with like those type of values as well. You know, so to speak. you just, I
0: think you just kind of hit something because like even in prison, right. Cause I have a lot of people that I know that have gone to prison and have made really bad mistakes and screwed their life up. So now they're in prison and it's like, do I look at them and say, Oh, you, you screwed up and I don't, have a relationship with them? No, I'm loyal to them. I don't agree with their decisions and they're paying the price for the things that have happened. But my loyalty is to be there and be a friend. And maybe, you know what I mean? I can't just look at something where that someone did and say, you know, you're an animal, you're this, you know, my loyalty is, is here. Let's, I don't agree with you. And I think that that's the big part of relationships. And that's where loyalty and respect, because I think they kind of go hand in hand, become very valuable when you understand that, a lot of people don't understand that.
1: No, they don't. You know, and I also think, I don't know, I think that if you're not loyal to someone that is like in your inner circle or whatever, then in a way you're very judgmental. Like it's almost like now you're judgmental. Like to your point, like someone's in jail and you may not agree with what they did, but like you're still loyal to them. Like I totally get that. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure everybody.
0: No, because I mean, I get that you know, sometimes, or, you know, this person's a bad person. Why, why did that happen or whatever?
1: So it is. And then to your point about your father, like, right, there's all this stuff. So like in 1990, like that's when everything really changed. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, right. There's all these people that say, and you just recently said this, I think on the show, like you said, like when people say that your father wasn't loyal to John Gotti, you say Mm -hmm. like John Gotti wasn't loyal to John Gotti or something you said.
0: Yes. Yes. I do say that because I think that there's this whole, um, thing that happened to create the scenario between my father and John. And I think when you get back into that word loyalty, um, you have to look at the overall picture for what these men were both loyal to. My father, my father was loyal to Cosa Nostra and what he believed in and his values and that. And John was the boss and he, wrote out for him through thick and thin. You couldn't say a bad word about John when my father was in the presence. That was his loyalty. Whether he believed what you're saying was true or not, that just wasn't allowed. You know, people had come to my father at a certain time and said they wanted to kill John and we want you to be the boss. My father went back and told John because his loyalty was with him, this and this is gonna happen. You know, we need to handle the situation. And instead of John looking at it and saying, my God, this man is a loyal dog, he started building up resentment and jealousy and that kind of caused this whole, you know, inner issues with John. And it leads up to, I always say the Gotti tapes and, you know, John talked a lot. He was caught on a lot of recordings and it ultimately led to him setting my father up, trying to set my father up to get killed because he feared my father's power. You understand? And why would people come to him? And say, you know, take out Sammy. So instead of looking at him and realizing that this man, again, we can use the word, is loyal to me, let me reciprocate and be as loyal back to him. He viewed it as a threat, and that's where, you know, if you're in that world, you under understand the undermining and the, and the and it always leads up to the tapes, right? So here comes these gaudy tapes now that my father's indicted on um, murders and things and now he's facing a life in prison and here comes John Gotti saying, well, you know, I'm John Gotti, I'm the boss, the streets need me and you're going to have to be the sacrificial lamb and I'm going to use these tapes in my defense because, again, John's badmouthing my father saying things that aren't even true to basically get him killed because of his own insecurities and you're going to have to take the fall. And I think when my father steps away from it now, it's like, bring it back to the word loyalty. Where's the loyalty? I'm out here killing, scheming, robbing, sticking up for you and doing everything that I have to do to protect you as my boss and this life that we both took an oath to because I value those, I'm loyal to that and here you are double-crossing me. So I think at that point, my father just said, fuck loyalty, (laughs) fuck this lifestyle, screw John and screw everything else and he walked away from it. So fast forward to, um, you know, now it's in the newspaper and the, the... what is the word i'm looking for the stigma of that lifestyle and what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to live by codes and that's coming from people who don't even understand that lifestyle can say sammy's not loyal to john but let's ask ourselves why what happened you know what i mean and there's there's a lot of that and when i say to my father even on families of the mafia like there's so much to that story and it's documented through other people, through FBI surveillance, through wiretaps, there, you know, with things that happen that's never been told. So I just feel like, you know, every, everybody can walk away and, and assess however they want to assess the situation, but there's always two sides to every story. And then some people can meet in the middle and take their version of it.
1: Right. And John was like caught saying, I mean, was he trying to set like your father up? Like is that what was trying to happen? Like to take yeah. the fall?
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think at the time he believed that maybe he probably I I can't even imagine that he would believe that this would ever come out on an FBI tape because some of the things. But he's in a room with someone and he's telling this person, you know, Sammy killed this one and took this over. Sammy's greedy and did this, but he's not telling the guy, you know, Sammy's kicking all this money up to me. And I'm actually the one that ordered the hit and Sammy acted on my orders. So he's trying to put something in someone's head to say, Sammy's betraying us, let's kill him. He was basically laying out the groundwork to get the okay. Because at the time, my father was extremely powerful and had not only probably the biggest hit team in the mob at the time, he had other mob families that respected him. So John couldn't just make a move on Sammy. He had to lay the groundwork. And my father was smart enough to understand. So when he heard those tapes, he's saying, oh, okay, so you're complaining that you lost control of me because I killed this guy, but you gave me the order. You gave me the hit, so you're setting me up. And my father still wasn't thinking of cooperating. That wasn't his thing at that particular moment. His thing was, now I got to fight my case. So now these so-called tapes that you're going to use in your defense and say, oh, look, it wasn't me. Poor John Gotti. I lost control of Sammy the Bull. That's what John wanted to use in his defense. But Sammy has to use it in his defense to say John's a liar. Look what he's saying on those tapes. So John didn't want to be called a liar because he didn't want his public his public, because they're in the mob, right? It's supposed to be a secret society. But yet this man's on the cover of the, the, the New York Times and the newspaper every day, prancing around like he's a folk hero when you're really supposed to be a gangster and it's a secret society. And he was more concerned about his public than his loyal underboss. So yes, that's where the relationship severed.
1: That's all interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, it's I mean-
0: work, But reality is my father, has so much to back that up. And like literally, like he did um, a two hour, like just an interview with a guy that was supposed to be like an hour long and went to two hours cause he has so much knowledge and there's so much there. Um, I always tell him, you, you need to do something, which he is. He's working on a, a podcast and a couple of other projects. And I think that, you know, it should, listen, Gadis did their movie. So I think it's time. Uh, seriously. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I think it's time personally. Yes no i mean i yeah i think there's a market for it like you said like there was the gaudy movie did you see the gaudy movie
0: no and i'm not trying to show throw shade because everybody has um their i just never heard good things about it you know what i right. mean so i was like okay i'm not and then actually my father did go he was in the movie game let me check this out he said he left like halfway through because he said, I lived this shit and I didn't even know what the hell was going on. I'm like, who are these people? He tells a funny story because he goes, I go, I'm getting my popcorn, I'm drinking. And this guy's like, "He's the movie theater was empty. And there's another couple there. And the lady's like, what's going on? Like, who are these people? And my father goes, you think you're confused? I have no clue what's going on. And I was there. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was like a joke.
1: And what did the people say to that?
0: Well, I don't think they knew who he was. They probably just thought he was some nut watching the movie. And then he said he left after that.
1: That's so oh. funny. That's, like, really funny. Yeah. And then why is the word, and this has nothing to do with your father, but just in general, like, why is the word, because the other word we hear besides loyalty is rat. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, like, I, I wake up in the middle of the night and I could hear Renee and Drita, rat, rat. Like, yeah, that's yeah. The, like, why is that such a dirty word?
0: You know, I think it brings that stigma of cooperating. You're a rat, you're a snitch. Um, those two took it to a whole different level. You know what I mean? I I don't really even think Drita, she's not, she never had any ties. Her husband wasn't in the mob or whatever. But, you know, rat's a word that's used out there. It's just just a bad word, I guess, or it's supposed to be an insult. At this point in my life, it's so like I could give a shit. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, when you're a kid growing up and people say something, it's like, okay, you want to tell the story. You want to be like, there's so much to it. And it feeds me, but at this point, it's just like it's honestly like comical to me, especially me. I get called a rat all the time. I've I've got arrested in cases. I know people around me. I've never cooperated. I never sat down. And I'm like, people just use it so freely, and it's just they kind of distorted the meaning of it.
1: Well, that's the other thing you said on the show too. Like when I guess you were referencing someone who called your father a rat. You're like, well, what about all these people you know that I can point to that are walking free because of my father? Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's two sides to the story. So there are a lot of people that my father actually fought against the government to help, which that story has never been told. And, and, um, you know, again, no one wants to find themselves in this position. You know what I mean? I don't think my father ever even imagined being in this position when he first decided to join the mob and all that other stuff. I feel like my father was, loyal to a brotherhood and he felt like he got betrayed by a brother. But at the end of the day, again, he has to live with his decisions. And I think he's at a point in his life where why would I even, I don't really have to answer to people, but myself and God at the end of the day, you know what I mean? You have to live with that. So. Totally. Yeah.
1: Okay. And this is the last question before we move on, I promise. So like just going back to like childhood and like when you became aware of all this, like, was it like, were you, that close to it that you would, when you kind of became aware of it, that your father would come home and you'd be like, oh yeah, like he just committed a murder or something. Like, would you hear things like, I mean like that specifically?
0: No, I mean, I wouldn't think about it. There was one specific time that I, I mean, probably two after the Castellano, like, and he was gone for two weeks. I was like, oh, he was probably involved in that. And uh, I just seen, you know, like the way everything was playing out, his relationship with John, you know, Um, I, when you're there and you're living it, you can see, but, um, I know it's really weird to say. And like, I I don't know, sometimes I'm like, (laughs) do I need that? It was something I just didn't think about as weird as that sounds at the time. It's like for a second. And it really like just went in one side of my brain and right out the other. It was never something that I dwelled on. Um, although I never want to take away, I think for me at this particular point in my life, like that I have grown when you step back and, and I say this many times, whether it was mob wires or this show or my book or wherever it was, this lifestyle destroyed many families, period. So now if you can sit back and think like everybody that has gone through something, you know what I mean? Because of the, the decisions or choices that people made. And um, there's a lot of sad stories. You know what I mean? There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of pain. There was a lot of good times. So I think, I am not the type of person that's going to dwell if I really sat here and went, Holy shit. Like this happened. This is so bad. I would never be where I am right now. I'm the type of person to say, okay, this happened. How do I get past it? How do I teach my daughter to get past it? And not just my daughter, because for me, like, especially even, I don't know, I never really talk about this much a lot to anybody. um, But I work a lot with like prison reform and like, really like mass incarceration and all that is like very dear to me. But I look at all these young kids that like screwed up their lives and they have life sentences that they can never come home because of, you know, something that they thought was important to them at that particular time and you just throw your whole life away. So my whole rationalization of this, if this makes any sense to you, is to look at a situation and try to teach someone better from it instead of really dwelling on it or letting it kind of dictate your path.
1: Right, because like you can't really sit there and- you know, I mean, first of all, right. Why? But I guess like, you never really, like, how do you reconcile? And this is not judgment at all. Like, I guess you just said you don't, and which is fine. Like the fact that like, okay, my father or this lifestyle caused such pain to certain people, right. but yet I, this is my family. Like I am mm-hmm. loyal to the end to my family as one mm-hmm. should be. You know,
0: know, something that became extremely clear to me while I was going through my growth, even writing my book, when I wrote my book, everybody was mad. People came out like from people, oh, she shouldn't write her book. She shouldn't tell her story. Her father's this, her father's that. This happened. I'm a victim. I'm not. But nobody ever said that when Victoria Gotti did hers or anybody did theirs. So when you look at all these men, including my father, they chose a lifestyle that pretty much destroyed all their lives. So when you step back, it's like, if my father didn't cooperate and I wrote a book, you guys would be my biggest supporters, right? You wouldn't care. It would be because my father's, you know, a hero and he went to prison or whatever. So really you're only mad because my father cooperated. So how could I sit back and not, I don't want to take the word respect because I'm not taking away from what they, what they lost. But if you don't blame a lifestyle that your father chose, Maybe my father, there's many other people that got murdered and had done things, right? But you only want to blame one person. It's hard for me to respect that, you know? Like, and I, even in my case, I have like, there's somebody that had lost someone that's a victim, and they claim it's my father. There's a whole story to that that my father was there at the time, but he wasn't the one involved. But I'm not even going to get into it because I don't even have to. But these people go so hard against me and like try to blame me, but yet, the next breath is they'll look at the Gottis and say they're the most amazing people. And John Gotti was a hero, but what about all the, his victims? So how can you claim to be a victim, right? Of someone and you want all this sympathy and you want all this sorrow and everybody should feel bad for you because you're a victim, but then go around and respect and love someone that did the same exact thing that my father did. How can I respect that? If you came to me and said, Karen, you know what? This lifestyle destroyed everything. Like it just made, makes me sick, I'm gonna have more respect to you. I can't respect you when you're saying your father's an animal, but this guy, he killed just as many if not more people than your father and I love him, like this, it just, I don't rationalize with that and I honestly don't respect that. So that makes I sense. know that might be harsh in a way, but it's just my reality.
1: I mean, that makes sense to me at least.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, that seems right? logical, yeah. <laughs> and speaking of Victoria, so I mean, we saw on Mob Wives, like she came on the show. Yeah. And you guys were kind of okay with
0: Well, me other. and her never sat with each other. And no, we weren't okay. She um, actually came on the show. First, she criticized the show. Let's, let's take away from that. She right? did. She ripped the show. It was a train wreck. It was whatever. Until she needed the check and realized how big it was. She's done all kinds of reality shows and whatever. So I don't, ours was a train wreck, but yet she appeared <laughs> on it at the end of the day. So when she came on the show, I always felt that my history with her and this is this is a respect level. This is me coming saying this straight is so much bigger than um, a reality show and Team Drita, Team Karen, Team whatever. Like we we should sit down and, and we're Karen Gravano and Victoria Gotti. Like it's you, It's way bigger than this. So, I um, when she had come on the show, I had reached out to a lawyer that actually I know that used to represent her brother, and I said, listen, either her and I should come together, and we could film. And, you know, production, and and not the the actual production that makes the show or MTV or Viacom, the other people that were on the show that were um, supposedly friends of mine that were producers or whatever, try to always pit everything against each other, right? So, which is fine, because her and I are never going to see eye to eye. But I had reached out to a lawyer and said, listen, I'm not going to play this game. I have been very respectful of her, her family. I don't, I have if you really watch Mob Wives, I never really went hard on her father or tried to really put all this out there. and I never went hard on her brother who has his own you know cooperated with the government or whatever it was. I never really put that out there that much. but if she thinks she's gonna come on this show and try to join forces with girls that aren't even involved in this lifestyle and we're gonna get into some petty um, fight calling each other names, i'm gonna I'm gonna destroy her and everything else and the lawyer agreed with me he was just like and then she got off the show
1: interesting
0: yeah it just didn't work out which is fine you know what I mean I always say like her her sister angel like every day she wakes up and takes shots or every other day and I get it you know what I mean listen I, I just think it's childish like you're a 60 year old woman at some point you have to say like my father's to blame for something you know what I mean let's come together or maybe Karen's trying to put a message out there. and We definitely don't see eye to eye, but maybe we could, you know what I mean? We do have somewhat of the same story. Like, I'm never going to take away what they've been through in their lives. I'm sure they have their own heartache and ache and, you know, things that they've experienced. They still get, you know, they'll be gaudy forever. You'll always have that criticism. Same way, I'll always have my criticism. Sometimes you don't always have to fight. You know what I mean? It's not, It's not attractive.
1: Right. And why do you, because th- she did bash the show for a long time. Like, why do you think that is? Like, just jealousy? Like, I should have come up with this I idea?
0: Did, yeah, yeah. Because she did She did her show, which is not to take away, because at the time it was a huge show growing up Gotti, but her kids are growing up Big Nello. That's, Gotti wasn't their name. So they, she used the mob aspect without, I mean, listen, if you say Gotti, everyone's going to say the mob, right? So without having to use the word mob, she was, I guess, in a position who her father was to ha- just say Gotti, but she was, she was insinuating the mob because her kids last name isn't Gotti. It's Agnello. So um, if it was, you know, if it was about her kids, if she would have said growing up Agnello, she probably wouldn't have got the viewers that she got. So she exploited the mob aspect of it. And um, she had her run and listen in, in her defense, if growing up Gotti would have came out in the time and era that social media was and stuff that show would have been a It was big already. You know what I mean? She, I think, so I don't know why she should have been mad when I did mine, everybody, but she was, and uh, she bashed it, it was a train wreck, I guess to kind of, you know, when people know that there's some, something that someone could say about you, or something that could change people's perspective, you always want to dim that person's lights, right, so I think they always know, they know, they've heard the gaudy tapes, and they know these things exist, and they know there's two sides of the story, so maybe she was just trying to dim my lights, and when I left that's when she came on the show so you know i think a little bit of greed and money and she realized that the show was a hit you can't take away from that i mean it was definitely a hit at one time yeah mm -hmm.
1: yeah when i came
0: back it was and i think she was misled by you know some of the main producers on the show jennifer who was you know, Graziano, Renee's sister, who was the producer on the show. I think I was always coming back to the show, but I think when they sat down with her, they probably told her I wasn't going to be involved to get her to sign on and figure they could force a situation between us. But it just never happened. Maybe one day, you know what I mean? I mean,
1: that's the thing I was going to say. Like, in a way, you could, I mean, like, okay, there's a lot that has happened in the past, but like, in a way, you are almost kind of in the same situation, like to your point, kind of. Like you would think.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, again, I think that they could throw any, they could throw the kitchen sink at me at this point because it's all out there. There's nothing else. I mean, uh, you can make up stories, but pretty much everything's even been made up to it. So it's, it's whatever. I think that they have something to protect that they're trying to protect. So they would never, which is fine. You know what I mean? I just, it just is what it is. I, don't, I think that, again, yes, there is probably something to say that we both experience certain kind of things. But at this point, like it's like, who even cares anymore? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't. Whether. But if, if they're going to keep taking shots, like, you know what I mean? They're going to just sit back and they keep shooting the gun. Nah, 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 nah. Like, I'm going to come out with a cannon and just fire back. Like, that's just me, who I am. And that one shot is going to, you know, it is what it is. And let's, still- let me clarify this, because of the lifestyle, I don't mean cannons and real guns, I'm just saying, hypothetically speaking, if someone keeps taking shots at you, sometimes you got to back up and load up and just come out with that one uh, bomb.
1: That makes sense. Does yeah. she still take shots now? Like, is um, she always speaking about you all the time now? Because I don't even know.
0: I don't know. Like, sometimes, you know, what, I would get it more through fans would say like, oh, this and that, but not, I, I don't, I haven't heard anything. So... And you guys
1: like don't speak, never run into her or anything like that. No,
0: no, no. Thank God.
1: Thank you all for listening to part one of our sit down with Karen Gravano. Stay tuned and check out part two coming soon where we talk about Mob Wives, the casting, the filming, the aftermath, and Karen's new show, Families of the Mafia.